So with the temperature outside, what you'll want to do is go get your swim trunks, put them on, and then go buy Christmas gifts for people, right? (laughs) God is good. Isn't he been so good to us even this morning? Yeah, amen, amen. I love when the presence of God moves and when we recognize his presence. And do you know that you can experience the presence of God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? It doesn't have to be here just on Sunday morning, but there is something so particularly special about believers gathering together and enthroning the Lord on their praises. He just loves the fragrance that comes from from that that type of worship. So it's a good day. If you're joining us online, we sure wish that you were here, but I'm glad you're joining us, uh, and I'm glad that we have this means to to be able to have our our service. Uh, I want to start by thanking all... Whoa. I want to start by losing my voice. No, I want, to, I want to start by thanking everybody who participated in, led, helped behind the scenes, everything with the family retreat last weekend. It was fabulous. Uh, thank you guys for everybody who did the work behind the scenes to make that happen and those who attended that. If you did not catch the Sunday message last week, if you, if you did not join us online, it was a powerful message that you need to hear. Pastor Justin did a phenomenal, phenomenal job articulating the word, and so I would encourage you to go on our archives and listen to that word. I promise you will not, you will not regret it. it it's, a, it's a great word. Uh, after service today, after the gathering today, we're going to have a special luncheon, and I'm going to tell you I am super encouraged because around 150 of you guys have signed up to be at the luncheon today. It blesses my heart to know that Springhouse is going to grab a hold of this service opportunity on October 31st and serve our community. I promise we won't keep you extremely long. Uh, I'll give some directions on the back end of the service on how we're going to exit, go get food, and then come back in here. But uh, if you are planning to serve on the 31st, please plan to stay today so that we can go over all of the details uh, for uh, for that for that special uh, event and opportunity uh, for us to serve, Capiche? We good? All right. Well, today we start a new series. Uh, God's big idea. Now, if you've known me for any length of time, you know that Kevin O'Day can come up with some pretty grandiose ideas, and, and most of them are bad, but, but they're big nonetheless, and, and some of them, are, some of them are, are, are maybe pretty good. Some of them t- take off. Um, every idea God comes up with is good. Everything God comes up with is is, is good. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that over, over the next five weeks. Uh, we're going to be looking at the book of First, First John. Now, with that, I've got a challenge I want to pose to everyone in this room, and I believe that it's going to uh, initiate some change. It's going it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to bear fruit in your life. I want to uh, issue a challenge. It's going to be called the, the High Five Challenge, okay? The High Five Challenge. I want you to give somebody a high five right now. Give somebody a high five. High five challenge, okay? So what this is, is over the next five weeks, over the next five weeks, I want you to take five days 
in each week, and I want you to spend five minutes reading one of the five chapters of 1 John, okay? I'm going to say that again. Over the next five weeks, I want you to take one of the five days, and I want you to take five minutes and read one of the five chapters of 1 John. I promise it will not take less, uh, more than five minutes for you to, to read through that, and I believe that it will bear much fruit in your life. So what's going to happen is when you come back here on Sunday, I'm going to be looking around and I want you to just put your hand up. You'll know exactly what this means. You get a high five. It means, hey, I did it. If you know, if you're anything like me, I need accountability in my life, right? Okay. So on Sundays, when you come here, people are going to be giving high fives saying, Les, yes, I read the book of First John. Okay. And every week as we read the scripture together at the end of the scripture reading, whether I'm speaking or not, we're going to give each other a big high five. Sound good? It's a high five challenge. So would you stand with me this morning? We're going to get into the word. Book of 1 John. Let's read together. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. High five. Everybody high five right now. Father, I thank you for how rich your scripture is. I thank you for how rich your word is. And I thank you that we have the ability to dance and to sing and to praise in your glorious light. I pray, Lord, today that you would illuminate areas in our life that need to be illuminated, God. And I pray, Lord, that everything that comes from my mouth that's of me would fall and be forgotten. But everything that you have for us would stick and change us for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So... Like I said, we're starting a new series called God's, God's Big Idea. God's Big Idea. This is the message that we have heard. This is the message that we have heard solicits the idea that this is not somebody's idea that they made up. This is not like James's thought. James just came up one day and said, hey, you know, I think, I think this, would, this would look good on paper. No, this, this idea is not John's idea. It's not the apostle's idea. It's not, this idea is God's idea. And God's idea, God's big idea that we're going to unpackage a little bit on into this message uh, is going to lead us to life. Not just life, but abundant life. Amen? Who wants to have abundant life in the house? Don't we want to have abundant life in Christ Jesus? March 13, 2010 was a very significant day 
in my life. Outside of my commitment and my choice and my decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, this was the very best decision I have ever made, and it was to marry Sherry Elaine Nelson. She is radiant, she is beautiful, and she is all that. It was a glorious day. It was a glorious celebration. And some of you were in attendance that day when we took our vows and we said them right here on this, on this very stage. And like typical weddings, after the ceremony was over, we had a wedding reception, a party after the wedding. And when we walked in, boy, we were met with friends and family and so many people who just were so excited for, for the covenant that Sherry and I made, uh, made with each other. Now, in the, intra, in, 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 the, in, the pre, in the week leading up to the wedding, there was a lot of work that took place to get the wedding uh, all figured out, and of course, the, uh, the reception as well. And a lot of, some of you in here actually helped pull together and, and, and did some things to, to help us. Uh, and there's this one particular friend who is helping over at the reception, and, uh, and we had the reception in a gymnasium. Now, you know, a gym looks like a gym when the fluorescent lights are on inside the gym, yes? And so we had a friend, and, and this was a, a, during a season when the school didn't have a, a massive lighting system. We didn't have really any lighting system. And so we had a friend who went out and bought a bunch of light instruments and would put accents around the perimeter of the gym so that we could turn off the fluorescent lights and we could actually enjoy the gymnasium without feeling like we were inside the gymnasium. Do you understand what I'm saying? saying to you. So, so he took lights and he put gels on them. So our colors were blue and green and there were pops of blue and green everywhere. And, and, uh, there were some string lights hanging and, and boy, when we walked in, it looked beautiful. I mean, it was, it was gorgeous. It didn't look as hot as my wife, but it looked so, so great. And I, and I, and I, and I walked in and we were just amazed, but there was only one problem. Nobody could see. Nobody could see. In fact, I still to this day don't know the person who did this, but apparently it was so dark where the serving of the food was that somebody accidentally ran into the table and knocked the chafing disc right off the table and the food all on the floor. I'm so great. You all are so gracious. Nobody ran up to me and told me about that, didn't know anything about it. Just things continued to move on. Uh, but nobody could see. Nobody could see. The, the perimeter of the building looked beautiful. The disguise of the place looked great, but what mattered most was in the dark. I wonder how many of us live our lives with illumination on the perimeter, with illumination on the things that we want people to see, but what matters most is in the dark. Is in the dark. I have enough light on the outside of my life, on the perimeter of my life to draw a crowd, but I have nothing of sustenance to offer them. I have enough light on the perimeter of my life to fool you into believing I'm something I'm really not. Some of us live our lives in that way where light is all around us, but not necessarily inside us. Scripture tells us God is light. 
God is light, and in God there is no darkness whatsoever. Now, that's a, that's a concept that is very hard for us to consider because we see darkness everywhere. Darkness exists when there is an absence of light. You can't manufacture darkness. Darkness just is when light is not present. And so what happens is we think of God and we, we say, okay, you know, I'm thinking of God as maybe this big beam of light or this, maybe you think of this, like a, if you're thinking of light, you think of the sun or you think of, you know, this space of light. And, and the way that you identify the structure of light is to surround it by, by darkness, right? Well, here's the thing. There is no darkness in God whatsoever, there, there's zero. So, so it's so it's so con it's so complex. Do you know that light travels at 186,000 miles a second? That's 11,160,000 miles per minute. That's a little over 669 million miles per hour. Do you know how I know that? Google. <laughs> this idea and concept of light is so beyond me and so complex that I don't even know how the most brilliant minds on the planet can get their mind around how light travels. I don't even have a desire to know. I just want the answer, right? I just want, I don't want to figure it out, right? But it's so complex. And I believe that many of us spend so much time trying to figure out God that we miss out on experiencing God and truly getting to know who he is. The Pharisees knew about God. They studied God. They knew all of the rules, all the law. But when Jesus was speaking to their face, they could not identify who he was. I don't want to become so super intellectual and think I know something about God that I miss his presence in my life. But some of us get so hung up on trying to figure out the new, do you know trying to figure out God is like an ant trying to figure out an airplane that's just flown overhead. It's impossible to figure out God. It's impossible to figure out, he is so infinite, he is so complex, yet he has provided a way, a simple way for us to be in his presence. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I can read all I want, the books, about Barbie Laughlin. I can hear from Hal about Barbie and all of her antics and all of these types of things. I can spend time with Katie and hear these things. I can, I can read. I can, I can learn. I can study. But I will never truly know Barbie Laughlin unless I spend time in her presence. You will never truly know the Lord unless you experience him in his presence. I want you to think about for a second food. 
We're about to eat. Many of us are going to be eating food together today. And what what I'd like to do, Pastor Barbie, is today when you hand out lunch, I'd like to have everybody just keep their lunch closed. And when we figure out the nutrients in every piece of food in there, and when we figure out how those nutrients work to uh, positively or negatively affect our body, when we figure out all of the data and the science behind why we should be eating and what we should be eating, then we'll actually eat. Does that sound fun? The basic principle of why we eat food is to what? Satisfy, satisfy hunger. Your hunger will supersede your need to understand what's going inside your body. Some of you, that takes you right through the drive-thru of unhealthy places that you don't need to go. But interestingly enough, when you are satisfied, when you are full, when you get, when you satisfy the hunger, all of a sudden you are in a place to then mature out of the mindset of I shouldn't just be filling myself with ice cream because though I am satisfied, the ice cream is starting to cause some pain in my tummy. Are you with me? As you experience the presence of God, you will begin to mature in the Lord and learn about things such as the boundaries of my life have fallen in pleasant places. He desires to be known, but it's not lost on him that you can't know him fully yet. This is a journey and a process of getting to know him. But guys, in this dark world and in our dark lives, we see our face way more than we see his. And God wants to illuminate our lives so that we can see the things in our lives that are gross, that are wrong, that are bad, that don't need to be there because he has so much better for us. He has so much better for us. So God's grandiose great idea was we were in a complex situation, you and me. Our sin separated us from God. That means light was removed from our life. And we were walking around in darkness. And because we are in darkness, darkness cannot produce light. And so God's idea was what if I, who am the light, go into their darkness and illuminate their dark places. And if I can illuminate their dark places and they can receive the light I give, then not only will they receive the light for themselves, they can share this light with others. Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. Don't we want the light of life? In our, in our lives. And so today, quickly, we're going to talk about God is light. We're going to talk about light. I, and I believe there are three specific things that I want to talk about what, what God's light does. And the first one is this. God's light reveals truth. God's light reveals truth. Now, I was prepared to stand up here today and say, we don't actually like the light as much as we think we like the light. But as I thought about that more, I thought to myself, no, I actually think that we like the light. We just love the light switch more. I want to illuminate the the parts of my life where I got it together. I want to illuminate and turn on the light switch and illuminate those things where I feel like I'm hitting it on all cylinders. But if I could just turn off the light on that particular moment, 
and, and, and this particular thing, if I could just control what's going on around me and what's seen and what's not seen, well, then I could have the best of both worlds. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, in all of his ways. But when we walk by the light as he is in the light, right? Then the word says that we have fellowship with him. The Greek word is koinonia. I think I said that right. Koinonia, yeah. Which means an intimate fellowship, an intimate covenant relationship with, with God. So in my life, what if I just got to the point where I said, I want to turn the lights off. Stop texting in church, people. (laughs) The Lord's lighting some stuff up in this place. You can't see what's going on right now. And I could tell you a lot of different things and you could believe me. You might believe me. You might not believe me. You might not know because darkness causes confusion. Darkness causes confusion. Darkness allows us, listen to this, to create an alternative reality to the truth. Darkness allows us the opportunity to say that we are something that we're not. Darkness affords us the opportunity to not only say things about ourselves that we are not, but bring other people who are also in darkness along with us. When we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not walk in truth. Give me a spotlight. There is a spotlight. I can see the light. I can study where the light is. I can identify how big the light is. But none of that matters unless I step into and start walking by the light. And in this posture, there is no confusion. In this posture, everything is revealed and everything is known because there is light in every situation. When you step in God's light, there is no darkness. So where I'm over here and I say, I'm wearing a red jacket. I have blue hair. I grew four inches. All of that is subjective and could be believed by you until I walk over here and step into this light. And all of a sudden, when you don't see that I'm wearing a blue, uh, a red jacket or have blue hair, you know the truth. You know the truth. Why are we afraid to step into the light? Why are we afraid of this posture? And I'm going to tell you the number one reason I believe that we are afraid to step into the light is we are afraid of what it's going to reveal about us. 
We are afraid of what is going to be seen. And probably the first layer is you are afraid of what everybody else is going to see. But I don't want to tell you that God's light in your life is not for anybody else. It is for you. It is for you. And when you step into the light, what happens is, is you begin to look at yourself. You don't have a choice because you see everything. You see the good, you see the bad, you see the ugly. But here's what happens. We so associate being in the light with a negative connotation. But there's this verse over in James that says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And let me tell you, when you get into the light and you start to examine yourself and you start to say, wait a second, I have a choice to have this ugly thing in my life or the gift from the father of lights. I'm happy to trade this thing out and grab everything good that he has for me. We do not have to be afraid of light. He draws us in the light, not to shame us, but to set us free from ourselves. We need to be in the light. It reveals the truth. And the word says that when we are not in the light, though, and we claim that we have fellowship with him, when we claim that we have that intimate bond, then we lie to ourselves. Now, let me tell you about those who are walking in the light. The Bible says, he who says he does not have sin in his life also is a liar, makes God out to be a liar. The process of sanctification, the process of becoming perfect is an ongoing process. Process. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is why it should stymie us to sit here and wonder why when I get in the light that my shame or my sin would be any more horrible or different or worse than the person standing in that light's shame. Because we've all sinned. We all have been stuck in the muck and mire. But boy, if I could get comfortable in this light, if I could get comfortable walking in the light like he is in the light, then here's the thing. The word says, uh, John, John writes in, in chapter, start in chapter two, he says, I write this so you will not sin. But if you do sin... If you do sin, you have an advocate, Jesus Christ, who covers you by his blood and gives you communion with the Father. We have to confess our sin. And when we confess our sin, he's what? Just and faithful to forgive us of our sin. You know what that looks like? I can't be out here confessing my sin because out here I might be confessing the wrong things. Out here I'm confused. Over here, I don't really know what it is that I need to confess. I might think it is because there's a lot of confusion over here. Somebody told me that this is truth, but I'm walking in darkness. But when I step into the light, the confession is the illumination of what's already obvious. And God, I confess for my sin, and he is just and faithful to forgive us of our sin. Isn't he a glorious God that he would do that for us? Isn't he a wonderful God that he would do that for his creation? His desires for us to be in light. You may turn on the lights. As God said, let there be light.
The second thing that we see, the second thing that we see God's light do for us is God's light illuminates our path. God's light illuminates our path. My friend Stephen, uh, a friend named Stephen, he's been a friend of mine for a very long time. He went recently on a camping trip. And he drove up to, the, to, to where the place was that he was going to camp. And he's been on multiple camping trips. And he goes up to the place he's going to drive. And he's used to being able to get right out of his Jeep and go right in and, and start camping. Well, when he pulled up to the spot that he was supposed to go camping, he realized that it was about a mile hike up a steep hill. And he had about five loads of things in his Jeep that he had to bring up the mountain or the hill. And so he started the course. He packed everything on him, tied it to him, and walked up, walked up, walked up. It was pitch black because he had gotten there at night. And he said, Kevin, I started to pray. And all of a sudden, my prayer was, Lord, please protect me. Lord, please protect me. Lord, don't let anything bad happen to me. He said, he said I was legitimately a little scared. And he's walking up the, the hill. And as he continued to pray, all of a sudden, he realized that his prayer started to take on another shape and started to get a little deeper. And it started to transition from Lord help me to a conversation, into a dialogue as he's going up and down this mountain carrying all of these things. And on his fifth trip, he's got a big, he said it should have taken him six trips. Did you know how you're unloading groceries and you're determined to get that last bag? You're not going back out to the car. Yeah, that was him. He's got this cooler weighing, weighing, weighing a lot with everything on him. And he's going up and he gets up about halfway up the mountain and he falls down to his knees and he starts to cry. And he says, God, I can't do this anymore. And he said something like a supernatural strength came over him and he grabbed that cooler and he made it all the way up to the top of that mountain. And he set the cooler down and sat on it. And as he praised the Lord for helping him get up the, get up the hill, he looked around the way and found out that there was all along, there was a road and an access right to the spot where he was camping. <laughs> God will always meet you in the middle of your darkness when you're carrying things. But what would have it been like had he invited God in the process on the front side? You can walk through darkness and be carrying things and cry and plead out to God when you need help. Or you can start out by being in the light and saying, God, I don't know where I'm going, but I need you to lead the way. I need you to light my path. I need you to illuminate the fit where I need to go and where I don't need to go. Some Christmas season is right around the corner. We just talked about Operation Christmas Child. Some of you are going to spend three or four times the amount of money that you have in your bank account. And then you're going to cry out to God, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay my electric bill. What if I had some believers in the house say, Lord, give me wisdom before I even approach this season about how to spend my finances. And you might find that your presence is far better than any presence that you buy. God is so faithful when you step into the light. He is so faithful to answer. Now, you might not like what he says. That's another whole conversation. But it doesn't change what he says being the truth. Being the truth. God's light illuminates our path over in uh, Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. We need his word in our life to guide us. And lastly, God's light makes clear our destination. What exactly happens at the point of death? Many people have researched and studied this question. What exactly happens at the point of death? I've got an answer for you. I don't know. <laughs> Nor do you. 
Kyle Freeman knows. Margaret Meek knows. Rena Montgomery knows. I don't know exactly what it is that happens at that exact point in death. When we talk about heaven and we talk about hell, I don't know if heaven has has six feet pearly gates or 20 feet pearly gates, if I'm going to land on a, on a road of gold, if my mansion is going to be the size of a trailer or, or the size of a house. I don't know. I don't know any of these, these, these ancillary things. Is hell going to be a lake of fire prepared for those who don't believe? I don't know and I don't intend to know because I don't plan on going there. But what I do know is any existence apart from God is hell. Any existence apart from God is hell. And on this side of life, on this side of life, we have a choice to walk in his light or walk in our darkness. And the choice we make on this side of life determines our destination on this side of it. God is light. There is no darkness in him whatsoever. And you have access to this light. I want to tell you one more story. And I've told it before because it fits. I've told it before, but I'm going to tell it because it fits. Several years ago, we lived in our house in Nolansville. And uh, it was in the middle of the night. And I like to get up. If I get up to use the restroom or whatever, I like to go check on my girls. It's just a thing that I do. And I go in this one night. It's probably like two in the morning. I go in and I go into Hadassah's room and I kiss her on the forehead, tuck them in a little bit more, go and see Ruby. Nora wasn't born yet. Go to Lucy's room. Lucy's not in her bed. That's strange. What's going on? And so I come out of her room and I'm thinking, Lucy, Lucy, check her bathroom. She's not there. I go down the stairs and I look around the corner and I don't see her. And then I look and I see the back door is open. My heart went. Lucy went out, opened the back door, stepped on the back porch. Lucy, Lucia, no answer. I go back in and now I don't care who wakes up. Lucy, Lucia. So I run through the house. I yell up to Sherry, Sherry, I can't find Lucia. And I go out the front door and I yell, Lucia, Lucia. And I'm panicked, guys. I turn around and come through the back door or through the front door. And as I come in, I'm going to get my shoes because I'm about to go run down the street calling Lucia. And as I come in the front door, I hear this noise and it sounded like it came out of the front bathroom. And so I, I backtrack and I run into the bathroom and nobody's there. I'm like, oh, okay. So I run and I'm going to go get my shoes. But then I hear another noise. And so I stop and I turn around and I walk back into the bathroom and I stand there for a minute. And I bend down on my knees and I open the cabinet doors And there's Lucia with tears in her eyes and chocolate all over her face. (laughs) As we like to say, sin leaves residue. I want you to know in that moment for her dad, 
It didn't matter what she had done. It didn't matter how, what law she had broken, what rules she had broken. What mattered to me is that I found her. I found her. And I wonder today if there are people, that cabinet's getting real cramped, guys. That, that, that cabinet's getting real cramped. And I wonder if there are people in here that it's time to come out of that cabinet. It's time for your father to come. This is what he said. I already said it, but I'm going to say it again. He said, I write this so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the one that will, that will get you to the father. There is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You're not being called into the light so that everybody can point their finger at you and stone you for everything that you've done wrong. You're being called out into the light so that you can walk free. Let me read what the Apostle John also writes in the book of Revelation. He says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Don't we want a new earth, people? For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will do this. Listen to this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Some of you need your tears wiped. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And then later he says this, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. The city does not need a sun or a moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of earth will bring its splendor to it. On no, I love this part. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I ask you today, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? And if you are unsure if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, today is the day that light can come into your life and illuminate dark places and can change your forever. Would you stand with me? I believe that God's big idea can be summed up in the very first sentence we ever recorded him saying, let there be light. So I'm going to invite those who are going to pray to come down and we're going to spend a few moments here. And I'm going to ask, and as somebody who prayed this week on Thursday morning for God to break my heart for what breaks his, I'm going to plead that if you are here today and you do not know this awesome God, make that change today. It's not a coincidence that you are here. It's not a coincidence that you are here. This is your moment to change everything. And if you are here and you know the Lord, maybe you're in a place where you've got a dark spot. I know I've had dark spots. I've got dark spots in my life. Maybe you're in a dark place and you say, God, I need some light in this place. Maybe you're believing for someone 
who hasn't even been introduced to the light. All of those are appropriate reasons to come today and step into his glorious light and be set free. Let's worship together for a few moments.